0: I have called up in all my inch years inch, of sorcery with no and the
1: thing was a streaming the the ooze of vermin corpses that he dug with his hands from the unconsecrated graves it is verily known by few of were but people, bastard, but it is never priests no less and women an it is told that me picked up as they fled and pulled limb from limb as a child my quarter an insect
2: the double, the double
1: shadow, shadow a Clark Ashton
2: Smith podcast Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week, we'll be covering The Theft of the 39 Girdles, which is a sequel. Is it a sequel? It's another story featuring Satampra Zeros. I think we
1: have to call it a sequel because he's writing it as he's dying, right? He's old. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely
2: old, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's definitely set to be written after the other story.
1: And it's our final Hyperborea story, so that's kind of sad. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, It's also notable because it's written way, way after everything else that we've read so far, I think. I don't think we've ever read anything that has been this, that was written this late. Mm -hmm. He wrote this in the 50s, so it's about 20 years after the heyday of of Weird Tales. And then the story was originally published in 1958 in a magazine called Science Fiction and Fantasy,
0: yeah, that's pretty different.
1: Yeah, it's way different. Like a whole different This is like <laughs> this is like Cold War era Clark Ashton Smith as opposed to like Depression era Clark Ashton Smith. When was uh,
2: the first one written, The Tale of Satampresaurus? I think
1: it was like 1931. Wow.
0: 1931 or so sounds right. Wow. Yeah.
1: so that's quite
2: the gap to come back yeah. and revisit this character. It's yeah, a neat so bookend
0: though for Hyperborea because yeah. we started, you know, with the um with the tale of Brazeros.
1: Oh yeah, we did. Yep, oh so many years ago. God, I, I feel mean, like we've been ago, I mean.
2: We've been living in Hyperborea for so long. <laughs> Is it has it been the longest setting or it was Averone?
1: No, they're, this, they're I think they're all but, the same length. Oh, they're both wow. the same length, I thought. Hmm.
0: Yeah, they're about the same length. I mean, we did have the whole summer thing.
1: So mentally,
0: we've been in the setting long. Yeah.
2: But I also feel like uh, Atlantis didn't have that much. No, th- that building yeah, really had right? like what five stories.
1: Yeah, or something? I think okay. so.
0: Yeah, we could check this if we only had our the right notes, but
1: nah, nah, we nah, need nah, notes.
2: Nah.
1: <laughs>
0: we definitely right, don't right, need right, Wikipedia. Right.
1: <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I would like to say some things about science fiction and fantasy magazines, but it's one of those magazines that I don't think there's much to say about, really.
2: Well, what do you know about it?
1: I don't know anything about it except that it was called science fiction and fantasy. (laughs) I know that he had a little bit of a hard time placing the story because even though it was like, he was a little bit of like a star from the Weird Tales era, nobody would take it. And I think one place like was really excited to get it and they rejected it because as we'll see in the story, nothing much fantastical happens. They were like, this isn't, this isn't a fantasy story, Clark. There's like (laughs) nothing, you make it a point to point out that there is no magic in this story and therefore we do not want it. It's like an adventure story. Yeah,
0: it's an adventure. It's like a crime jaunt. A buddy comedy of a sorts. sexy
3: crime jaunt. A
0: sexy
3: yeah. <laughs> Let it be said as a foreword to this tale that I have robbed no man who was not in some way a robber of others. In all my long and arduous career, I, St. Tamprazeros of Alza Darun, sometimes known as the Master Thief, have endeavored to serve merely as an agent in the rightful redistribution of wealth. The adventure I have now to relate was no exception. Though, as it happened in the outcome, my own pecuniary profits were indeed meagre, not to say trifling. Age is upon me now, and sitting at that leisure which I have earned through my hazards, I drink the wines that are heartening to age. To me, as I sip, return memories of splendid loot and brave, nefarious enterprise. Before me shine the outpoured sackfuls of jowls and tizors, removed so dexterously from the coffers of iniquitous merchants and moneylenders. I dream of rubies redder than the blood that was shed for them, of sapphires bluer than the depths of glacial ice, of emeralds greener than the jungle in spring. I recall the escalade of pronged balconies, the climbing of terraces and towers guarded by monsters, the sacking of altars beneath the eye of malign idols or sentinel of serpents. Often I think of Zizila, my one true love and the most adroit and courageous of my companions in burglary. She has long since gone to the bourne of all good thieves and comrades, and I have mourned her sincerely these many years. But still, dear, is the memory of our amorous or adventurous knights and the feats we performed together. Of such feats, perhaps the most signal and audacious was the theft of the thirty-nine hurdles.
2: Bam, <laughs> bam, 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 <laughs> bam, bam, bam.
0: In some ways, this makes me think that he could have done a whole Simbad-esque series of, yeah. of of their adventures and his adventures and like meeting up with her and then breaking up with her perhaps at some point. And,
2: so Tomra Zeroes could have been his Conan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what makes me think this about this too. But it's weird. I don't know. Some of that opening just reads as like Conan parody to me. Or yeah. Something. Like, yeah. I don't, like mm-hmm. I don't know. Or not. I mean, not even parody. Just like this is what I have to say about this character because we all know who Conan is right? Like or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah,
2: because it was well after Conan, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And when did... Because um, it, it also reminded me a lot of Fritz Leiber's yeah. *Fawford and the Grey
1: Mouser, and I wonder, I didn't... This was after the first one. I think the first one of those is actually pretty early, like maybe the 40s, maybe? Yeah.
0: True, but his first Settampaseros was in, you know...
1: Yeah, right. Well, right, but the, but the language is different here, right? Because in that one, it... I would even venture that the Tetambrazeros Tum- in this story and the Tambrasiros in that story are quite different. Right. Because the Tatumrazeros in that story is just like a drunkard who has no interest in like redistributing wealth. No. He's not a robber. Yeah. This is, true. Right? He's
2: just, is definitely true. Yeah. He's just the master he, thief. He is
0: brag he does brag at the beginning about some of his awesome heists with Tiro of yeah, Like breaking the Adamantine box at the Akramai where yeah. the medallions <laughs> of early dynasty of Hyperborean kings were kept and that kind of thing, but yeah, this is a little bit different. Definitely more of a social spin on it.
2: Yeah, and now instead of Tiru von Paulios, he's got Vixila.
0: Tiru von Paulios didn't end so good. No.
1: Uh, yeah. So for the record, Father and the Grey Mausers is like the '30s. It's like thirty-six. Oh, okay. is the okay. First right. novella. Interesting. Uh, I also this this it, like it's hard I think to separate this opening, this sort of like uh, nostalgic opening from. Clark Ashton Smith writing it at the time, who right. was, like, much uh-huh. older and had lost a lot of, like, his friends. I mean, I'm sure that... I like to think of him as, like, a super lonely dude from the 30s till his death. He probably wasn't, but... um. <laughs> In fact, he definitely wasn't. But, no, definitely, uh, which, is yeah, which
2: is good.
0: Yeah, which is good. But this sucked.
1: sort of, it has this like, you know, older man looking back on his exploits tone to it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting.
2: And it's he's one of the, in this story, Satan Brazier is one of his more heroic narrators. Like, even though he's a master thief, he's very much on top of his game while telling the yeah. story. Like, he's not stuck for ideas or he's ready no. to
1: do it. He doesn't have to get drunk before he does it. No.
2: Mm <laughs> <laughs> he's a man with a purpose uh,
1: so so what are these 30 what are these girdles what's the plan what are they what are they doing here
2: well apparently in Azul de room there is a moon god or goddess called it's a god uh, oh yeah the moon god there's a moon god Laniqua whose temple is in the suburbs of Azul de room and they basically take 39 virgins and they, I guess they like chain them up with these girdles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're basically religious prostitutes. Right. Uh-huh. So
0: they don't stay virgins, but right. they're they're, the- they're theoretical or yes. religious virgins. Yeah,
1: yeah. And- yeah they, call them, they call them nominal virgins right. in the story.
0: <laughs> right. And you have to actually get the key to be allowed to have sex with them, which is right. what the, the girdles come in for. They're right. like pretty gold and they've got... Lovely jewels and stuff. It's just kind of horrifying to think about being stuck in one of those things. Yeah.
2: But luckily, the key is sold pretty easily. Like, they'll mm-hmm. sell out the key for people's usage. So yeah, so it's prostitution.
1: Yeah. This is one of my favorite details about this story. Yeah. This like nominal virgin only way for this temple to make money. My other favorite mm-hmm. strange detail is that he, he points out that the temple isn't in Osalda Uzelder- room proper. It's in the suburbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, it's I a funny thing because I don't think that the suburbs as a concept really existed right. when he was writing these stories before. Like suburbs are kind of like a post world war two thing. So I just think that's a funny little, uh, <laughs> little detail but it's like yeah these guys they're in the suburbs they're like you know just outside of gritty downtown who's yeah. it's like <laughs> the liniquian suburbs where you can go to this like fancy whorehouse that pretends to be worshiping a moon god that we've never heard about and we'll never hear about again <laughs> right. yeah it appears yeah I, I tried to like find out if anybody else had taken up liniqua to do anything with him but um kind of like yonda it's like these weird hyperborean gods that were weren't Ominous enough to make the cut, right. like they're not Cthulhu, so everyone's like, "Who cares?" <laughs>
2: uh, I was actually thinking about the the notion of prostitution as sacrifice, because you're still like giving up your body. <laughs> what like, were you? This- what were you doing when you were thinking
1: <laughs> about this, Tim?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, just sitting alone in the dark, just yeah. me and my thoughts. Um, no, because I mean, we don't we don't really get the backstory of this temple. We get only what he tells us here but this could be like a legitimate religious ceremony for them like instead of actually sacrificing virgins by killing them they force them into sex slavery
1: yeah
0: (laughs) I like how you ended that (laughs) yeah I mean it's still awful is it it
1: uh, is it clear that that they are forced? Is that is that well, part of the story, Vix- or we just Vixilla, um, Well, Vixila. Well, Vixila to... just says that she doesn't want to be it anymore, right? She right. Well, it doesn't it necessarily she, say she was forced. Right. It says that
0: she chafed at it. Yeah, I'm not. Which is
1: a, a hilarious uh, double entendre. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A backstory: Vixila was one of the virgins, but she escaped. And the virgins are released once they're 31.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So at so, the age of 31, they're like, okay, go and now live your life. But Vixila escaped before, how does he put it, her sacredotal time had been up.
0: Yeah, I think that it's like in a lot of cases where that, you, know, you end up with these people who ideally you would have these people who are like, yeah, I'm going to go serve the god right. or goddess. But in real life, what you end up more with is people
1: getting kind of forced into it this right. way or that.
2: That's kind of how I took it. But it's a fantasy story so we could just pretend that they're willing participants
1: <laughs> or or just raise the question. It doesn't, it doesn't really right, matter. I'm right, right, just curious what right. it's said one way or the other. That's not part of the heist, especially. The heist. Let's talk about it. Oh, well, okay. So actually let's, let's, let's finish fleshing out. Vixila's okay. Right. Yeah. This is true, yeah. right. So she, she chafed, uh, at wearing the girdles and then she fled and then she's like outside of a Old room for a little while. Then she comes back and decides to be a thief and she, like, changes her looks and decides that she's now too old to be cared about by the priest anyway. But she's not a very good thief. Like, she can't really pull it off that well. So, somehow, we don't know how she meets the Brazeros and they start thieving together. And it works yeah. out great because apparently so the Brazeros is a big, large dude. And Victoria yeah. is all skinny and, and wily. So it like works a well. Like a lemur. Like a lemur.
0: Like a lemur.
1: Like a nominally virgin <laughs> lemur.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and she's, because she's told him the whole backstory, he gets this whole idea that maybe, maybe they should go and steal those 39 golden girdles.
2: Yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, Tim, what are the problems with the temple?
2: Okay, so firstly, they have to get through the quote-unquote sickle-armed priests. Do you think they, they just are armed with sickles, or are their arms sickles?
1: I think that they hold sickles <laughs> Me in their arms.
2: Me too, but I like to pretend <laughs> that they're... They,
0: if this were an RPG, they would have
2: sickle right, arms. Right, they have prosthetic. They lose their arms to become priests of Leniqua, and then they get sickle arms. Okay, so they have Seems to... Seems fair. Yeah, right? So they have to get past the guards, mm-hmm. um, and then the temple is also filled with people. So once they get past the guards, they have to figure out how to empty the temple of people, and they also have to... Figure out a time when all of the girdles are off of the women,
0: right? Because um, it's like you can't go from one lady to another, being no. like, "Hold on a sec, I got the key." Okay, excuse.
2: <laughs> Luckily, Vixila, since she was a virgin, knows how to beat almost all of these problems. One, there's a secret, a subterranean adit like a tunnel that's underneath mm-hmm. the temple that she thinks is still passable.
0: Yeah. And it used to be used by people visiting the virgins because it used to be a lot more uh, Mm -hmm. shameful or respectful or they were trying to keep up the appearance of virginity. And now it's totally not.
1: Yeah. That's a fascinating piece of like, like you could read a whole backstory into how the fact that they're not actually virgins came about, I think based just on that line, because it's like, well, maybe, maybe it was for a long time that they were actually virgins. And people were just sneaking in to have sex with them. And then eventually they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't actually matter if they're virgins or not. Right. Let's just enter through the front door and we'll make some money on this. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? But there, But I. Uh, there's also this cool little line about the passage that says, it's a sign perhaps that religious sentiment had deepened or that modesty had declined. Which yeah. is <laughs> a, really, like, a really clever turn of phrase. Yeah, it's great.
0: And Vixila knows what night the, everybody will be in demand. So she knows what night basically all the girls should be out of their girdles and in their beds with guys or whatever. And so she knows that way they can avoid trying missing a girdle or getting Because, you know, the theft of the 38 girdles, right. but we left one behind, doesn't sound nearly as good. <laughs> but there's still the problem of getting everybody out of the temple.
2: Right. So then Satampra Zeros, the master thief, he starts thinking about all the, the tricks he's used in the past. So he has like a drug that is quickly vaporized that he uses to put people to sleep when he's robbing their houses. Yeah. Uh, but it's limited in range. So that's not going to work. Uh, it, won't, it won't dissipate all throughout the temple and get everybody. And then he also knows of a pollen from a jungle lily that he throws in people's faces that will paralyze them. But there's too many people to deal with for that. He doesn't have enough pollen to throw in all of these people's faces.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be an interesting attempt.
2: But I love these details. I love the detail of Vixila, how she knows how to operate the secret flagstone with the counterweights that'll let them into the temple and that he's got this array of thiefly weapons. It's definitely mm-hmm. the most heroic Clark Ashensmith story I can think of.
1: I still think Athimaeus is the most heroic. That is uh, pretty
2: awesome. <laughs> I guess so. What? Come
0: on, he's
1: totally more heroic yeah. than Tom Tamp- well, Zero. Come a, on. I wish they would team up. How cool yes. would that be? Well, don't dodge the question. You guys. realize
0: what <laughs> would happen though if they teamed up, right?
2: Yes, he is heroic, but he is a bureaucrat. He's a company man. Satampa so Zero right. is a is an entrepreneur.
1: But
0: he would also have to cut Satampa Zero's head off. He's an
1: entrepreneur. <laughs> he works for himself. I've got a business idea for you. We're going to steal these virgins' girdles. <laughs> like, sir, that's not a business plan. That's a heist. doesn't matter. Let's do it. I don't know who was calling him sir, but somebody. <laughs> the like, guy at the, the loan man in the bank. Yeah.
0: Probably, Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, Tim, how does he decide to solve this third and supposedly most difficult of problems in the temple? He
2: decides, since he doesn't have the tools at his disposal, he knows somebody who may, who's uh, a magician and alchemist, VZ Fencor. He basically acts as his fence, but Mm -hmm. his alchemical fence, where he'll bring him gold and silver, and he'll melt it down into other forms so they won't get picked up by the cops.
0: Which is pretty cool, like having an alchemical fence. Yeah.
2: Uh, But he is um he's kind of skeptical about magic like he doesn't really think magic works or that vizy's young vizy is a good magician yeah. <laughs> yeah but he knows he's a
1: skilled pharmacist yeah. and
3: toxicologist but a terrible magician <laughs>
2: <laughs> pretty much
3: we found vc Fincord encanting one of his more noisome concoctions from a still bubbling and steaming kettle into vials of stout stoneware by the smell, I judged that it must be something of special potency. The exudations of a polecat would have been innocuous in comparison. In his absorption, he did not notice our presence until the entire contents of the kettle had been decanted and the vials tightly stoppered and sealed with a blackish gum. That, he observed with unctuous complacency, is a love filter that would inflame a nursing infant or resurrect the powers of a dying non Do you know? I said emphatically, we require nothing of the sort, what we need at the moment is something quite different. In a few terse words I went on to outline the problem, adding, if you could help us, I am sure you will find the melting down of the Golden Girdles a congenial task, as usual you will receive a third of the profits.
1: I nominate VZ Fencor as the classiest of Hyperborean citizens. <laughs> oh my god. Do you need to give a baby an erection? Or <laughs> how about an old man? I've got
2: just the thing. <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, this is what I like about this story, I guess, is that it just has sex on yeah, the brain. It's like, unrepentant. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't need to have him walk in on VZ making a, a boner, making like boner Hyperborean potions. Viagra. Yeah. It does really uh, say something about him, though. About VZ, yeah, yeah, it does.
2: He knows his market. He's a he's a shrewd <laughs> businessman. That's what I learned. <laughs> now that's a business plan.
1: <laughs> but similar to the, like the business plan in uh the Mandrakes, right? This is the second mm-hmm. time we've encountered uh, an alchemist whose trade seemed to be just giving people the ability to screw. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, well, you know, this happens to be about the year and about the time that he ended up getting married. So perhaps he did have sex on the brain, despite uh-huh. being um, uh-huh. 61. Because he wrote it in round 53, based on a letter, which says nothing else interesting, but has the date anyway. Hmm.
1: Yep. And VZ has... Yeah, he does have... He has something he thinks he can help them. And we don't actually find out what it is in this passage. We just know, like, VZ thinks he has something that they can use to clear the temple. Right. And he also has... Uh, plan to smuggle the girdles out once they have them, uh, but I don't mm-hmm. think we actually know what that plan is either. They sort of hold those two cards to be a surprise yeah. for later in the story. Yeah, but
2: but Vizier's on board. He's like, I'll help you, but I got to be part of this, right?
1: I, I like I want to mention again just how much the doesn't want magic to be involved. Like yeah. when he asks when he asks Vizier about it, he's like, now just to be clear, this isn't magic. This is I don't know what he calls it, like. Pharmacology. Uh, or yeah. whatever or well he yeah. says
2: the um uh, V Z assures them that the effects of the powder, though extraordinary, are not beyond nature.
1: Right. Which is weird because I don't like the Tambra in the other story, like it, it feels it feels almost Conan ish, like he, right. he doesn't want any magic but we don't really have any justification for it he just he just doesn't think is good at it I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you know
0: it could be just that much if you don't think somebody's good at magic you definitely don't want that spoiling your right. heist <laughs> yeah. so it's the next day
1: yeah
2: and they have to they have to lay well,
1: low well it's
0: the day of the heist yeah which I suppose is probably well, not the next I day
1: th- I th- yeah I thought they, they lay low for a while right yeah Cause 'Cause uh, at this point the Tambra is known as a master thief and he doesn't want the he doesn't want the authorities seeing him like skulking around or something. But yeah, the day of the heist arrives. They all meet up in peasant clothes.
2: Yep. And then VZ tells him his plan for getting them out. He's it's just
0: quite brilliant, really.
2: Yeah, he gets a vegetable cart and fills it with vegetables. And once they steal the girdles, they'll just run down the the uh, tunnel, throw them in the vegetable cart, cover them up, and then rejoin the, uh, the the vendors who are coming into the city, so they can come right back into the city.
0: Oceans 3 and 39 degrees: <laughs> So they manage to sneak into the back of the temple pretty easily through the, through the cave-like entrance, and they don't get caught or anything. They hear some voices, and I love that Liniqua's image, presenting its reverend rear, sat on the high <laughs> dais. In the center Sex of the on nave. the brain, yeah. like is it because they're coming up behind it,
1: <laughs> or is or, that just no, no, no. <laughs> or is it
0: like just like,
1: I think I think thinkil like he's shake like, his bum, yeah, he's like the um like that uh sunscreen baby <laughs> oh, like who's like half turned towards the people coming into his temple and he's like making a oops face and his like (laughs) his rump is just aimed at the door
0: (laughs) (laughs) can i tell you how much that sunscreen baby creeps me out
1: and then i think for good luck you as you enter the sacred whorehouse of of liniqua you like throw pennies at his rump and like if (laughs) if they depending on how they bounce where they land you look you can like scry your future
0: nice
2: Assmancy, Assmancy.
0: ass-mancy. <laughs> it all comes back to Assmancy. They manage to get in, um, and there are these fires, which which uh, burn around it and show, throw shadows around, and kind of make it all cool and dancy, and turn it into a rave. Or and then he uncorks the liquid, throws it into the uh, fires, and. <laughs>
1: Those are, those are my sound effects. <laughs> They're pretty good. And Mind you, uh, listeners, those are not the sound effects of magic. Those are the
3: <laughs> sound effects of <laughs> advanced pharmacology. Yes. <laughs> Immediately, it seemed that the air was full of surging phantoms, a soundless, multitudinous explosion beating upon us, blasting our nostrils with charnel fetters till we reeled before it, choking and strangling. There was, however, no sense of material impact from the hideous forms that seemed to melt over and through us, rushing in all directions as if every atom of the burning powder had released a separate ghost. Hastily we covered our noses with squares of thick cloth that Veezy had warned us to bring for this purpose. Something of our unusual aplomb returned, and we moved forward through the seething route. Last of his blue cadavers intertwined around us. Miscegenations of women and tigers arched over us. Monsters double-headed and triple-tailed, goblins and ghouls rose obliquely to the far ceiling and rolled and melted to other and more nameless apparitions in lower air. Green sea things like unions of drowned men and octopi coiled and dribbled with dank slime along the floor. Then we heard the cries of fright from the temple's inmates and visitors and began to meet naked men and women who rushed frantically through that army of beleaguering phantoms toward the exits. Those who encountered us face to face recoiled as if we too were shapes of intolerable horror. The naked men were mostly young. After them came middle-aged merchants and aldermen, bald and potbelly, some clad in undergarments, some in snatched-up cloaks too short to cover them below the hips. Women, lean, fat, or buxom, tumbled screaming for the outer doors. None of them we saw with approbation had retained her chastened girdle.
1: So, it's just a sea of bouncing penises. <laughs> <laughs> a sea of bouncing flesh.
0: or as Phil put it nicely in the notes, nudies running hither and thither,
2: (laughs) Sloppy genitals
0: and screaming virginal whores and strange alchemical phantoms. Just another Laniqua day. Uh,
1: So what is it? Yeah, I love. So what? uh, This is what I think it is. Yeah, it it it, it's not anything clearly that exists in reality. But I think my my case for it being not magic is that it's some kind of like highly potent uh hyperborean uh lsd that is Mm. airbound right but it doesn't make just like a minor detail in how the scene is written i don't for that to really make sense to me i feel like they should have covered their faces before they lit it on fire (laughs) and then they wouldn't and they but then i guess they wouldn't have seen anything and then we kind of need to know what people are seeing
0: yeah I think of it as almost being like he's some kind of magic fireworks, like what Gandalf set off in them. Um,
1: oh yeah, that's Yeah, but I, I I take I take VZ at his word though. I I, per, I think it's I think it's like an airborne hallucinogen. Really like, you take V Z like, at his yeah, word? Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah, I, number I do one, yeah,
1: I do. I don't. Hey, when when in the history of Satan Zeros has VZ betrayed him? If he betrayed <laughs> him in the past, he wouldn't have gone to him in the first place. Okay mm-hmm.
2: well we'll, <laughs> All t- we'll talk
0: <laughs> about we'll it logic, <laughs> I think it's
1: like I think it's like scarecrow gas it's like yeah, right Batman scarecrow okay. gas. yeah, but, it could know? be a
2: mixture of both. It could be something like a firework, but mixed in with that LSD hallucinogenic. And also, let's
1: let's assume that Satambra knows that VZ isn't good at magic. I think this works pretty damn well right. this which is true? i which I think also points to the fact that it's probably not magic, yeah, probably, that's true, right.
2: Um, yeah, it does work.
0: And good news that everybody left their girdle. It does take a little trick to find one of them because it's being covered by like a blanket or a cloak. That-
1: I love I love that because it's like this weird. I don't really know what it is doing in the story. It's like, is it supposed to be suspenseful? Like <laughs> yeah, maybe they won't right. find all thirty yeah. nine girdles. Yeah, and then whom they find
0: it. <laughs> yeah, and
1: then like the next sentence, it's like, oh, but it was there under some clothes. Yep. no problem. Yeah, under
0: pile of male garments. <laughs> We're good. But then um, they almost get they almost get nabbed. It's true.
1: This whole scene, uh, I'm sorry, before we talk about it, them getting nabbed, reminds me actually of, uh, the first Conan movie, M- Milius' yes. movie, where they like, they barge in on Falsed Doom's orgy, Um it has <laughs> slightly, a different effect because they just like slaughter everybody there yeah, right <laughs> but uh but that similar like adventure sneaking upon a sexy scene is a uh, i guess they don't kill the women in conan they just kill the guards right anyway it mm-hmm. doesn't matter
0: well I-, I love that when they meet up with the high priest um as they're trying to go back out the back door he's there trying to fight these phantoms and he's got a uh a long phallic rod of bronze yes
1: Sex on the brain. Uh. <laughs>
2: well, Lanique was obviously a sex cult with a little his little butt statue.
1: <laughs> I w- <laughs> I wish uh, for somebody listening to draw for us a priest fighting a phantom with a big penis. Yes.
2: Staff. <laughs> I think I know Just... the man for the job.
1: You do? <laughs> yeah.
2: I well, think I think we farm this out to Mike Bukowski.
0: <laughs> I think we do.
2: <laughs> a resident penis artist. <laughs>
1: Our resident penis artist (laughs) Uh, Okay So what happens
2: Well (laughs) Well, they're almost nabbed by the high priest And Mm -hmm. uh, he Strikes at Vixila, but she dodges out of the way and then slams him in the head with the girdles and knocks him out. With Symbolism, people. Yeah. It's Symbolism. So,
0: it's so beautifully. I mean, it does slam you in the head like a. Yeah. I like it.
2: And I like that he had a name, Marquanos. Mm-hmm. That's the hype. Marquanos and his magical penis. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they have blood running in little rills from the serrated yeah. imprint of the great jewels on his scalp.
2: Uh. So, but then they escape. Hmm. They get
0: out.
1: Yeah, and the, the fruit. The fruit seller plan works great. Yeah. everything seems to be fine. Um, and they, not unlike, uh, Robin Hood after a big heist, they like lay low for a while yep. till the, till the fuzz stops looking for them. <laughs> yep. Um, but it's like, if I'm not mistaken in the story, it's like they hide out for so long that eventually they have to like go out to eat food. Yeah. Right? They're yep. just like, well, two days. Not leaving. Yeah. Oh, it was only two days. Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, that's, that's a long, like you'd think they would have had enough food in their house to last maybe a week or something. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. You would think. I mean, he's only sometimes known as a master thief. I guess this is, <laughs> now we see why. <laughs> um, he's got
2: other things to think about than stocking the yeah. fridge.
1: He's consummating his burglaries right. with the <laughs> yep. Well, you guys
2: know they didn't have refrigerators back then.
1: How do you know? Well... Well, also, okay, that may be. That may be. But I think that we can. I mean, that is true, probably. But that that Hyperborea was facing an ice age, so clearly you could get like an ice box. Okay, I think that's that there, true. I think there would be ways to preserve food for at least three days. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> so after three days, it, it's realistic.
2: Yeah.
1: There's right. no, <laughs> there's no Chef Boyardee canned food in Hyperborea. I, I don't think
2: so. I still don't know if we can say that. <laughs> Tim demands proof <laughs> Chef de <D'Jonga, okay, laughs> Good,
1: whatever. good, one, good whatever. one I had something for it <laughs> <laughs>
2: Come back to me Yeah, so then when they come back after eating
3: Returning We found evidence that Vizy Vancour had paid us a visit During our absence In spite of the fact that all the doors And windows had been And still were carefully locked a small cube of gold was poised on the table, serving as paperweight for a scribbled note. The note read My esteemed friends and companions, after removing the various gems, I have melted down all the gold into ingots and am leaving one of them as a token of my great regard. Fortunately, I have learned that I am being watched by the police and am leaving the Room under circumstances of haste and secrecy. Picking the other ingots into all the jewels in the astron cart, covered up by the vegetables I have providentially kept, even though they are slightly stale by now. I expect to make a long journey in a direction which I cannot specify. A journey well beyond the jurisdiction of our local police, and one on which I trust you will not be perspicacious enough to follow me. I shall need the remainder of our loot for my expenses, etc., etc. Good luck in all your future ventures. Respectfully. Easy Postscript: you too are being watched. I advise you to quit the city with all feasible expedition. Marconus, in spite of a well-cracked mazard from Vizila's blow, recovered full consciousness late yesterday. He recognized Vizila, a former temple girl, for the trained dexterity of her movements. He has not been able to identify her, though but a thorough and secret search is being made, and other girls have already been quick with the thumbscrew and toescrew that by Laniqua's priests. You and I, my dear Centampra, have already been listed, though not yet identified as the possible accomplices of the girl. A man of your conspicuous height and bulk is being sought. The powder of the fetid apparitions, some traces of which were found on Laniqua's dais, has already been analyzed. And luckily, it has been used before, both by myself and other alchemists. I hope you will escape on other paths than the one I am planning to follow.
2: The double cross. But is
0: it a double cross? Yes. Yes.
1: How is that a double
0: cross? He could have left more bars of gold.
2: And he's saying, don't follow me.
0: He left one. How can he, you know, why didn't he leave like five? Ten? I feel like in all
1: the annals of heist double crosses, this one barely qualifies. I think <laughs> it very much qualifies,
2: but it's very, it's it's like the gentleman's double cross. Yes. Because he could have I easily just, gone and said, come on, the heat's on, get in the, get in the vegetable cart, hide under the vegetables and let's get out of here. Instead he's like, here's a piece of gold. I'm leaving with the rest. Don't follow me. And you're being watched, so get out of the city.
1: But let me tell you why that isn't a double cross. Why? Because for it to really be a double cross, I think he has to have, from the beginning, been planning to double cross them. Instead, it's like, oh, by the way, I screwed up. I'm out of here. I'm I'm leaving. The, I'm leaving town. That's that's like it's a subtle distinction, but to me, it makes all the difference. I don't know. I, yes, it is a double cross, but it's not like he was like, ha ha ha. I'm gonna double cross these guys. It's like, I think oh shit, is. I'm found out. I'm out of here. I
2: took How it that he was that he did plan it all the time. That's why he wanted to be involved because he could have just let them suss it out. But he's like, you know what? I got some plans here. I'll only help you if I'm involved in the plan because he knows But he then, can.
1: But then why? No, 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 Tim. No, no, no. Why did he leave <laughs> a note then? Why did he give them any gold? Because he doesn't want them to get He's snagged by the asshole? cops. No, a real double cross would have been like come back into their apartment and the police are there and Mulquanis like kills them both. That's a double cross. <laughs> this is like a, I screwed up and now I'm out of here. By the way, I'm warning you that you have to go too.
2: I guess we'll have to let history decide. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When we find those those <laughs> fossilized Chef Boy or decans, right. maybe there'll also then be we'll a know. note that explains <laughs> the end of the story.
2: Oh, by the way, my name is Yeezy Fencor and I did indeed
1: double cross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I just I like this story up into a point and the, for me this story blows it right here, basically. <laughs> oh, really? Which is that Yeah, because this whole note to me just feels like a really soft ending, which is fine for a a story, but this isn't just a story. This is the last Hyperborean story he ever wrote. Mm -hmm. It's a a Satambra Zero sequel, and it starts with an old Satambra Zero saying, I'm going to tell you this story, and then it doesn't loop back and have old Satambra Zero say something at the end. And it kind of drives me crazy because... I would like to know what old Tatam Zero thought about VZ either double crossing or not double crossing him. And instead it just leaves us with this like, oh by the way, you have to leave, don't follow me. Which is a very like I find it a deeply unsatisfying ending to both this story and to the setting of Hyperborea.
0: Okay, I can I can buy the I, I, I would like to see it loop around, definitely.
1: But everything up to that point I think is a lot of fun. Like I yeah. love like sexy heist is great. I love a little more Satambra Zeros. That's a lot of fun. But it's just... I just needed... Like, if all it would have taken for me to love this story is probably two more sentences. Mm. Where it was, like, old Satambra Zeros saying, Vixila and I parted ways and she died of Hyperborean, like, ice cancer. And later (laughs) on, I killed uh, Vizi. Like, all all I need was just a little bit more... Or, like, something to tie Satambra to, like, the coming ice age of Hyperborea. Something to, like, just, like... Land me, Clark. Land me. <laughs> Instead, you just took me up in the air and then dropped me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder if, right after this, the theft of the thirty nine girdles, then he went to he was still in his older room, right? When he met Tirov of Ampollio, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if if this is what causes his like downward spiral.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm also curious about why he why he decided to make Satambra notably large, yeah, like a physically large person, which is brought up. What, twice in the story,? Uh-huh. Um, very specifically kind of yeah, weird. yeah, specifically, yeah,
2: I yeah, I agree with you that it is a little frustrating. I didn't mind it all that much because the whole story has a very like light tone. So I didn't really mind it ending, but it is a frustrating ending, especially since it's the the very last written and latest written. Hyperborea story yeah yeah, it could have been he could have given us a little bit more
1: I just need a touch you know just finish me off that's all I'm saying (laughs) like I bought the key you took the girdle off let's do this (laughs) and that's it for Hyperborea though I'm sad sad to see it go me
2: too yeah it was a fun little fantasy setting
1: although I guess in our next episode when we talk about um, our new settings in Necronomicon maybe Tim can talk a little bit about that Hyperborea collection that he got
2: oh yeah yeah. yeah.
1: But we should we should save that, I guess, for the next episode.
2: Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. This episode, we had a reader, as you will obviously know by now. Um, <laughs> he is Rick Lacey. He is uh, an artist for Zynga. And he also worked with Phil on... Well, you tell him, Phil.
1: Uh, Rick and I worked on making an alchemical love child um, back in the 40s. Didn't turn out. And we've known each other since. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lie. We worked on a comic book called Labor Days uh, for Oni Press many, many years ago. It's good, though, if you can find a copy.
2: Yeah, it is good. It's really good. Uh, It pays off where the theft of the 39 girdles does not.
1: I'm going to land you. You know, if you come into my (laughs) massage parlor, I'm going to do anything you need.
2: Your ending will be happy.
1: (laughs) So join us next time when we'll talk about where we go next with Clark Ashton Smith and also um, talk a little bit about Necronomicon. Uh, which was last weekend although when you hear this it will probably have been a month ago so join us
2: and how many how many oh 39 yep yeah it's right in the title it's right in the title tim (laughs) look
1: tim's just experiencing this for the first time right now (laughs) so (laughs)